With fluctuating interest rates, material costs, and inventory levels, the lack of diversified housing has become the hot topic of discussion in the first state. Whether you're talking about affordable, workforce, senior, or seasonal housing, the demands are substantial. There's a need to build a diverse inventory of homes for all Delawareans. For your employees, your aging parents, the people who serve you at your favorite restaurant, the list goes on. At the table, I have Preston Shell of Ocean Atlantic Companies and Logan Herring of The Work Group. Let's dive in. Welcome back for another episode of Conversations with Kelly, a podcast by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce that takes a deep dive into important topics at the forefront of the business community. Today's episode's all about housing in Delaware. And with me at the table, I have Logan Herring, CEO of The Work Group, and Preston Shell, co-founder and CEO of Ocean Atlantic Companies. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for being here with me today. Thank you Great for to having be here. us. Um, before we get started, Logan, if you could just tell everyone a little about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah, uh, so my name's Logan Herring, CEO of The Work Group. I grew up in West Center City of Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, I am currently leading a $600 million holistic revitalization effort of the Riverside neighborhood, which is located in Northeast Wilmington which is comprised of about 700 mixed income housing units that we will be building new construction. Uh, also planning to build a new Kingswood Community Center to replace the existing one that will be over a $50 million project. And then we have the warehouse, which launched, launched a couple of years ago, serving teens uh, in the city of Wilmington and beyond. So happy to be here and talk more about the work we're doing and, and hearing about what others are doing as well across the state. And Preston, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? So my name is Preston Shell. I'm the CEO of the Ocean Atlantic Companies. We're a diversified group of real estate development entities in Southern Delaware. We do master plan communities, apartment complexes, senior living projects. Um, we operate elsewhere, but mostly in Southern Delaware. Um, and we have a lot of uh, apartments under construction right now. And we're trying to work with the county and local municipalities to help be put a dent in the issue of the lack of workforce housing, particularly in eastern Sussex County. So okay. I know that's what we're going to get into later today, but um, that's a big focus of ours these days. Great. Um, and I'm really excited to have both of you, too, because, Logan, you're kind of speaking from a Newcastle County perspective and Preston, you're, you're down by the beaches in Sussex County, um, which while housing as a, a statewide issue, um, it, the need is everywhere. Um, I think you can both share very different perspectives on, on specifically the kinds of, of needs that you're seeing. Um, Logan, can you just share um, specifically what types of, of housing is um, in demand and, and what might be missing right now? Yeah, well, I think the, the obvious answer is af affordable housing, right? Um, but you know, what is affordable housing or housing that is affordable? Um, a good portion of our community is rent burden, uh, which means they're paying an excessive amount of their income for rent. Uh, and what we're doing in Riverside is offering a mixed income community. And what we mean by mixed income is all levels of affordability. And so everything from market rate rental to 60% um, and below AMI, 30% below AMI, and then we are gonna get into home ownership as well. And so the goal in our community is to have a diverse socioeconomic community where people benefit from that diversity. 
And uh, because we understand that historically concentrated poverty doesn't work. And so when we think of affordability, um, it is really making sure that people just aren't, you know, that that rent burden where they can't afford other things that they need to pay for uh, in life. And so that's what we're seeing the, the major need is, especially in our community. And Preston, you mentioned seasonal workforce, uh, but what, what are the needs down in Sussex? I mean, the, one of the big problems is as far as like what type of housing is in demand and the types of needs, unfortunately, the answer is all the above. So what's happening is the kind of wealthy in migrating retirees are pushing out all other types of housing. Because when you're a developer and you're deciding what to do with a piece of land, you're generally going to gravitate to whatever's most profitable. And currently, that's when it comes to market rate development. And to be clear, I speak almost entirely from the perspective of a for-profit market rate developer. We don't have a nonprofit arm that does tax credit projects or projects that are subsidized by federal dollars or, or grants or that type of housing. So I speak as a, as a for-profit entity. And the, the problem is we have tons of people moving down here um, from surrounding states because it's a great lifestyle, a great place to live. But it's every time someone moves here, another service or a restaurant or some, some type of worker is required. But no one's building housing for them because it's, it's not the most profitable type of housing to build right now. Um, and the other issue kind of with our market, and I know this is a national issue, and I'm sure Logan experiences this to some degree up north too, but the nimbyism is getting very strong and well, um, well healed down here. So in a, in a weird, odd way, every time we sell a house, we're kind of stabbing ourselves in the back. We don't sell a home to someone that's going to show up to our next public hearing and say, yes, we need more housing in Sussex County. And I hope you guys would do affordable housing project or a workforce housing project. We're selling homes to people that immediately don't want anybody else to move here. Um, and that and we've sold a lot of those homes over the last 10 to 15 years, as have other developers and builders. So, you know, Sussex County has a big problem and we'll get into a little bit later how they're trying to address it. But the, the lack of workforce housing, lack of affordable housing, there's really no efforts right now to address the seasonal housing issue. And that's gotten progressively worse, particularly over the last five years. A lot of the seasonal housing historically had been kind of older homes that hadn't really been renovated, where the, the owner of the home lives elsewhere and just rents it seasonally to four or five workers every summer. A lot of those homes during the last five years, as real estate's appreciated so remarkably, have been sold. And the buyers have been either second homeowners or permanent residents that either knock the house down or fix it up. And so that that kind of house that used to be rented to seasonal workers is no longer available. And so as we've needed more and more seasonal and more and more year round workers in this market, the amount of housing available for them has actually gone the other direction. So it's, it's a big problem. Um, and so you've mentioned uh, affordable workforce and seasonal. There's also senior housing. Um, I want to make sure that we take a moment to kind of talk about each of those. Let's start with affordable. Um, and I'll start by saying, and I've had a lot of recent conversations about housing because speaking from the, the state chamber's perspective, it's it's something that our members are bringing up more and more often right now um, that we need to be able to find housing for their employees. Um, so when you hear the word affordable housing, I think that there's almost um, a lack of knowledge on what that actually means. 
Um, so can you both sort of define, you know, what what is affordable housing um, and how can we maybe change the conversation so that it's talked about in a broader sense? Logan, you want to fill it first? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at the first one and um, don't quote me on this, but I, and I should know this in the field that I'm in, but I, leave, I believe affordable housing is where you're spending, what, less than 30% somewhere right. around there on your, is that correct? Yeah, less than 30% of your income on, on housing. And again, that is not the case for a lot of people. And then also when, when you asked the question earlier, one thing I thought about when Preston was talking okay. is that Wilmington has a high percentage yeah. of renters and not homeowners. Yeah. And so you're just dealing with a lot of that. And when you have a high percentage yeah. of renters, the property yeah. values are also low. So if you do have home ownership, you're not able to build that equity. And then definitely as a renter, you're not building that equity, which has been something um, structurally that has been kept away from communities like the ones I grew up in and the one I, I work in, um, just being able to build that generational wealth. So then it comes perpetual because when you face a global pandemic or, you know, a um, natural disaster, you know, you're not as resilient financially to be able to take those on or just, you know, the inflation that we've been dealing with over the last few years. And so these are all things that just add to the burden um, and increase that stress of how much you have to pay in rent as a portion of your overall income. Okay. And to add to that, generally, um, when people speak about housing, housing between, for households making um, 60 to 120% of area median income is often considered workforce housing or housing affordable to that demographic. And then below 60% of area median income is often considered low income housing. But affordable housing captures it all. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, anything not market rate, but um, Logan's correct. Like technically, the, you know, if you're paying 30% or less of your household income towards housing expenses, then your housing is considered affordable. Anything above that is considered unaffordable. Mm -hmm. And what do you, I, I know there's a huge demand for affordable housing, but what do you see as the barriers for the state being able to to meet that that demand for inventory? Um, I'll, I'll take this one first. I mean, from a for-profit developer perspective down in Sussex County, so we do have Milford State Housing Authority or Milford Housing Development Company is a very active nonprofit housing developer, Habitat for Humanity down here. But the, the types of financing mechanisms that are available to a nonprofit have certain um, maximum amounts and also certain criteria for qualifying, which lends itself to small projects, right? We don't have a small problem down here with workforce housing. We have a big problem. But if you look at the average project size is anywhere from two to 20 units um, for the nonprofit uh, tax credit, affordable housing projects that raise money, their capital stack, which is kind of every every location that the money comes from to construct their projects usually has like seven to nine line, line items in it. It's very complicated. I'm sure the projects Logan's working on have that many. Um, mine have two. They have developer equity and a construction loan. Um, so it's pretty basic, but um, you know, it, it's it, it's very difficult right now to have projects of scale that are financed by the nonprofit arena 
that can put a big dent in the issue. And there's a multitude of problems associated with guys like me addressing the um, the issue. I mean, one of them is there's really not a lot of land in Sussex County zoned for multifamily. All that land's been eaten up. Um, the whole county is pretty much zoned AR1, which is agriculture residential one, which doesn't allow for it. And the best locations, actually the, the location Logan's working on is ideal. The best locations for um, multifamily housing, particularly ones with affordability and low income components are ones near mass transit, walking distance to shopping, you know, walking distance to a, a convenience store, a pharmacy, a grocery store. Well, naturally, when you find a location like that, you have neighbors. You can't find a location like that that has no neighbors. And those neighbors will not show up in support of your um, rezoning application because we just went over how there's no zoning left for this type of housing. Um, they'll show up adamantly against it. Um, and the, the sad thing is, is they don't really, I'm using they as a, as a loose term for um, the, the homeowner down here, predominantly the ones that have bought in the last you know 10 years or so. They don't understand that when they get poor service at a restaurant or they can't find a dermatologist to book an appointment with, or you know they have to wait at BB Medical Center for two hours to see somebody um, and they have some kind of issue, that there's a direct connection between the um, lack of availability of workforce housing in our market and the deterioration of the quality of the services. Um, it, you know, they, they have to understand that if they're not gonna support these types of projects in this market, then they should expect those services to get either more expensive or to get worse. Um, and it's, it's a big topic. The county is, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but the county is making strides they're taking action. They recently passed a new Sussex County rental program, which gives, which is huge because it gives developers like me the buy right, and that's the biggest component of it, ability to do 12 units per acre multifamily housing if I find a property that meets various criteria that allow it to qualify, like near mass transit, near shopping. Um, unfortunately, right now with where construction, I'm sure the, well, I'm not sure, but in all likelihood, the original model that Logan's team put together three years ago for the big project they're working on, construction costs have gone up dramatically. Um, and interest rates have gone up dramatically. But rents have also gone up, but they haven't kept up with, with the, the cost increases to construction costs and, and the carrying costs associated with financing and project in today's high interest rate environment. Um, so it's it's getting even tougher to, to build these types of projects. But, um, you know, there, there, it, there are green shoots of opportunity, if you will, in Sussex County. And the issue is definitely front and center right now. I mean, as evidenced by this podcast, the, the main topic at the upcoming Sussex County Today and Tomorrow Conference is affordable housing. I really can't go through a day, and I'm a for-profit developer, without talking to someone about workforce and affordable housing. So it's, it's a big issue right now, and that's that's good news. I think we will start to solve it um, and uh, and start to make um, progress down here. Uh, Logan, I'm gonna bounce this question over to you. Um, you know, Delaware, the population is growing. You just mentioned this, the size and scale of your, your projects. Is that going to meet the demands? Oh, absolutely not. At least for your area. <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I think there is what over twenty thousand 
um, affordable housing shortage in terms of units in the state alone. And that number continues to increase. Um, I compare it to, so I, over the weekend, my wife and I, we went to Miami. Uh, today's my birthday, by the way. And so, Actually, a little bird told me I was going to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> thanks, thanks. So uh, we went away to Miami for my birthday and we went to brunch. And at brunch, uh, they tell you, all right, you have two hours. You pay for two hours uh, and then you have to leave. And so imagine if we had no limit on how long we could sit down. And then there are a limited amount of seats, but the crowd continues to come in and it's waiting and it's waiting, but no one's leaving. Well, that's what's happening with affordable housing. And so affordable housing, you know, at the genesis of it was really built for returning veterans from war, particularly Riverside, Southbridge, and Wilmington. Riverside was the all-white neighborhood. Riverside Riverside was, or Riverside was all-white neighborhood. Southbridge was all-black neighborhood. And so when you built this housing, it was to be temporary. But we have literally generations of families that have lived in public housing. We just had a salute to Riverside Mothers for the third time last Friday. And, you know, and there's families that have been living in the neighborhood for four generations. Well, the goal of affordable housing is to not live in affordable housing forever. And so when I think about solutions and the problem, the problem is not enough units and the growing demand for units. And then I think about how we can limit the time like I was limited at brunch. And so how do we work with families to empower them to increase their income so they're resilient, so they're self-sufficient, so they no longer need the affordable housing so they can get up from brunch and allow the next family to sit down as long as they need to. Uh, and so that's what we're looking at doing in terms of solutions is working with families to move up that affordability ladder that I talked about earlier from the deeply subsidized to the 60% to the market rate rental to the home ownership. And having that all in the same community is beneficial because you learn from one another, you support one another, and you're inspired and encouraged by one another. And so, you know, after I'm full eating my brunch, it's time for me to get up and leave and uh, hopefully create room for the next person to do the same. That's a really interesting way to look at that. I'm curious whether Logan or Preston wants to take this one. Um, you know, he mentioned workforce and seasonal um, and also senior housing, but what other solutions that might be out there or have been tossed around um, that could be viable to help address some of the issues? Well, I know you have, uh, if you don't mind, Preston, uh, there's veteran housing, which also can be included in the affordable, um, the senior, the seasonal. Uh, and I know that, you know, one of my new neighbors, I just moved in a new neighborhood and I had um, a gentleman move in a neighborhood and we ran into each other. Uh, Jeff Ronald, I don't know if you guys know Jeff, yeah. he's working in Georgetown. And so that's another solution. I think we have to be innovative. Um, we're going to have to continue to work with our policymakers, my best friend, Eugene Young. Um, and so his department um, has been really, really innovative and listening to the community and the developers such as Preston and, you know, we consider ourselves a community developer. Uh, what are the barriers? How do we eliminate those barriers, right? And begin to create innovative solutions that work in real time and don't require years and years um, to bring those solutions to bear. Right. Preston? Yeah. Um, actually, we've been talking to Eugene and the good folks at DSHA lately. They have a, I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about this, but I'll, I'll talk about it without getting into specifics. 
they have a new program that's going to be coming out soon called the Market Accelerator Program. And it's for guys like me, where they essentially pay us an upfront fee. Um, it's in the form of a loan, but it's a forgivable loan as long as we honor what we're saying we're going to, we're going to do for 20 years. They forgive it 10% a year for 10 years thereafter um, to offer affordable units. And unlike the county's program that right now it's very difficult to make the numbers work, we ran um, the market accelerator program through a lot of our different apartment models and it worked in all of them. So it will definitely work. It will definitely be, and we were going to use it on at least two projects um, and maybe more. Um, it will definitely be used. Um, I'm just anxious for those, for DSHA to formally come out with the program and allow guys like me to apply. But that's one solution um, and it's gonna, it's gonna help. Another thing that the county should consider doing is as we mentioned earlier, that you know, most of the county is zoned AR1. And if a guy like me comes in and asks for some form of upzoning, some form of increase in density, that should only be given out in the future if it comes with work, some workforce housing or affordable housing. So right now, unfortunately, you have certain properties that are well-located that might be surrounded by different zonings and the landowner knows that and they're gonna charge a price for that land to a guy like me as if it's already been rezoned. But if I can go to them and say, hold on a second, I can't pay you $80,000 an acre, I can only pay you 65 because of that extra density that I will likely get upon a rezoning, I've got to offer 15% of that additional density and make it workforce housing or affordable housing. Um, and, you know, it cuts into the margins of the project. But, you know, they really shouldn't be giving away density without getting anything for it. Um, and I think a lot of councilmen are starting to listen to, to this. And there's that's not a very popular opinion, by the way, amongst the local development community. Um, but it's it will that would help a lot. I also want to add, if you don't mind, Kelly, uh, when we talk about affordable housing, people need to understand affordable housing isn't affordable. And so when Preston talked about that capital stack, I can tell you our capital stack is very complicated. I don't even look at it. I want nothing to do with it. Uh, it's just my job to try to go out and get the funding that goes into it. Uh, but to put it in real terms, real numbers, the per unit cost of the units we're building is roughly in the mid 300,000s per unit um, for rental uh, apartment townhome units that we're building. And so for each phase we're building, I would say on average about 70 units, we're going to increase the next phase, um, increase the units because we're, we've been receiving big chunks of money through the state, through ARPA dollars, through the recent grant we just received from HUD. Um, but either way, the requirements that comes with the financing, so those funds you receive from the state, are so um, stringent and very high quality, and that is in, on purpose. So it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it does stress out the financial model because they want the units to last over time. And so what happens is we spend so much money constructing them that they're no longer affordable. And so what does that mean is you were to build affordable home ownership units, say to the tune of maybe 200, 250,000, those units are only gonna go for about 150,000. So you're subsidizing every unit about at least $100,000. And so what we're looking at doing is again, these innovative ideas and, and we're not coming up with all the ideas. We're just doing our research is maybe a community land trust where we can keep 
that equity in the communities because what you don't want to do is someone buys the house and then five years later they sell it and they take all of that subsidy with them but they can take on top of the subsidy with them and build some equity so it might be a starter home it might not be the forever home that we all might dream of for our families and the gen- building that generational wealth but it's a start and then second is com- community investment trust on more like commercial properties where the community can invest in the redevelopment economic development efforts um, alongside the work that we're doing so these are just things that we're beginning to explore now um, but you know when you think about preston probably has a really impressive team and and he can afford to do so you know i have to go out and fundraise to make sure i have a team that brings that same business-like approach and principles and skill sets to this work with an affordable um affordable approach and so you know it takes uh, real talent and capabilities and so when we're doing all this fundraising people say well you got money you got money yeah I have to pay people that are really good at what they do so we can deliver on the promise to the community. And I don't think a lot of people understand the mechanics or if I were to show you a capital stack, why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on that topic too, um, with respect to kind of not wanting to sell a unit to someone that then essentially flips it and captures all that equity that they got for free when they purchased the unit. We had a meeting just this morning with the city of Lewis. The city of Lewis, by the way, is a municipality in our region that has done a lot to promote affordable housing as they went as far as identifying specific properties, undeveloped properties in their town where they wanted the construction of affordable or workforce housing and then stuck to it. They made me, I accidentally bought one of those properties not knowing it was um, identified for affordable housing. And they said, okay, look, Mr. Developer, you can do your senior living project, but over here where you wanted to do medical offices, we want you to build a workforce housing project. And so I said, okay, we did. But what we recently passed was there's market rate units that I'm allowed to sell for 15% above my direct costs. And then there's affordable units that I'm selling to Milford Housing Development Corporation, which is grabbing that $100,000 in various you know, funding and discounting the units and then reselling them to households that make 65% of area median income or less. But the market rate units initially weren't going to have a restriction on them. We were just going to say, yeah, come in, buy it at my cost plus 15%, and then it's yours. You have to be a a member of the local workforce, and there's a bunch of other qualifying criteria. But there was no restriction on them flipping them or reselling them. As the markets continued to appreciate, the distance between my costs and where market is now is like $200,000 to $250,000. So we started getting a lot of initial nibbles at our kind of our whisper release which is when we're not really marketing, but we have a sign on the property and everything, from realtors and speculators that just wanted to buy these units and flip them. Um, So we imposed a restriction that for the first 10 years, um, you get an initial bump of 10%. So if you purchase a unit for 200,000, you you get a bump up to 220,000 if you resell it the next day to cover your transfer taxes, your realtors commissions and that kind of stuff. But then you only get to earn as far as appreciation, um, whatever CPI is per year. And we had to do this because it would make, think about like how dumb we would look if the objective of the project was to provide affordable housing for the local workforce. And all we ended up doing was selling it to real estate speculators that flipped them for $200,000 more the day after they bought them for us, from us. That was obviously not the objective of the project, but that's, you know, an issue that um, it was new to us because when we first envisioned the project like three to three and a half years ago, 
there was going to be a discrepancy, but it wasn't vast enough to worry too much about. But but it's it's pretty vast right now. Um, I do have one more question. It's I think more towards Preston, uh, but on the topic of senior housing, because um, you did mention in your intro that you know there's there's a lot of luxury homes being built in Sussex, and with Sussex's growing population, most of that it's uh, an older population. When they get older than that, and they don't want to have a home anymore, um, they might need to move to assisted living or, or something smaller. Um, what are we doing about that if we're just building big, beautiful homes? So our company is building with in conjunction um, with Vantage Point Retirement Living. That's kind of the brains behind this component of our company. We don't, they, they do all the heavy lifting um, experience wise. We built senior living projects um, that involve three different, there's three different components to senior living, independent living, assisted living and memory care. And our projects, gen with the exception of one, generally have all three, but it's extremely expensive. So we have the rental model. There's also the for sale model where you generally, you put in like half a million dollars and you pay $3,000 a month. And then when that person no longer needs the unit, which is usually a nice way of saying when that person's no longer around, the unit gets bought back by the, the company and then resold, um, but at the same price or at a number very close to the, the price that was paid. So there's really no equity appreciation or anything, but we're just a strict rental model, but our units are anywhere from 5,800 to 9,500 a month. Wow. That's that's not a, that's not affordable even to some of the people buying our fancy eight hundred thousand dollar homes out there. Yeah. Um, so we are working on what we're calling a middle ground right now. Um, we have two projects that are going to be in permitting soon, where we're trying to do kind of a la carte affordable independent living. Um, so it'll be like an apartment complex that's age restricted with some of the amenities that are offered in our senior living projects, um, but many offered a la carte, so you're not paying for what you don't need. Um, but the, the, historically though, the answer to your question was, someone comes down here, they're 63 and 67 years old, the couple buys a house, and then now they're 81, they move back home. They move back to wherever their kids live. So if they came from McLean, Virginia, they live in Sussex County or you know, Lewis or Rehoboth Beach until their early 80s. And then when they need senior living, they want to be near the kids. And quite frankly, the kids want them close by too. And so mom and dad move back to where they came from. Um, not a lot of them want to move back. A lot of them have established relationships here, lifestyle right. here, and want to stay. So we're, we're attempting to provide um, that opportunity. There's also a lot of organizations in our market that kind of specialize on stay in place or age in place services. Um, mm -hmm. And they're doing a good job. A lot, some of those are nonprofit. Some of those are run by the people that will be utilizing that service in 10 years. Okay. Um, so there's, we're trying, but there is a, a coming storm of, uh, of people that bought from us when they were considered active adult that will graduate to being needers of senior living. Okay. And, um, and we don't have nearly the, the, the amount of projects or housing to accommodate the needs that that demographic will have. Okay. Um, you know, before we switch into our, our, our final words, I'd like to give you both just a moment, say whatever has been unsaid. Well, I think Preston talked about this a little bit and I think it's probably more prevalent 
um, where I am with the density issues. But, you know, no one's building more land, right? Well, that's the most accurate thing to say, right? <laughs> so there's limited land, there's limited <laughs> units that are available now. And so one thing I want to talk about is people always asking me, are you gentrifying the neighborhood? And I surprisingly emphatically say, yes, we're gentrifying. The definition to gentrification to me is taking a low income neighborhood and moving it to a higher income neighborhood. And it typically involves displacement. And so what I was talking about with that land is if there's not land to build on, you have to demolish, right? And vacate people, displace them, and then move people back. We were very fortunate. We had eight um, acres of land that were already vacant. And so we were able to build the first couple of phases of housing on that vacant land and move people literally across the street from the old housing that was built maybe 70 years ago. Okay. Um, that's literally just falling apart into brand new construction at the highest mm -hmm. of quality. And we'll continue to do that throughout. And so when we do demo, those units are already vacant, but they're vacated okay. with people mm -hmm. across the street watching those houses go down where they used to live. And so, um, but we understand also that we're mm -hmm. very fortunate to be in this position and that's not always the case. And so we have to be mm -hmm. mindful that there will be, uh, I believe mm -hmm. when we're looking at other areas of town or other areas of this state, um, some displacement that may need to take place because there isn't more affordable housing coming that can meet the demand. Uh, and so we just have to try to find creative solutions in order to avoid that. Um, but I'm happy to say that we are putting that in Riverside. That's, that's really great. Preston? This might be in the recognition column, but um, I do just want to recognize Sussex County, Brandy Nauman, she runs the housing department, um, the county council. They truly are focused on this. And they're hard, there's a, I've been in municipalities before that when I come in and I say I want to do a workforce housing project, their initial reaction when the doors close and no one else is listening is, oh, this is great. We could really use this. But when I actually propose it and there's a public hearing and all the parties show up against it, they cower. Um, and they'll try to find something wrong with it that's unrelated to the fact that it's workforce housing. But it comes down to, we know we need it, we just don't want it in our town, or we don't want it in our community. Or if I hear the term one more time, I really like your project, it's just in the wrong location. That's what everybody says that will never actually find the right location for something. Um, but the Sussex County has taken action to, um, and passed ordinances, and, and focused on improving the amount of workforce housing and getting guys like me to do it. City of Lewis has. Um, so there's there's examples in our market of people treating this issue with the severity of which it needs to be. And, um, and I'm hopeful that if we have a similar conversation 10 years from now, we've, we've done a lot to address it. Um, so, you know, that's that's one of the bright spots. Yeah, it seems like it really does need to be a collaborative effort in order to make some of this stuff work, um, including people that are technically not directly involved in the project. You know, it's, it's the people in the community, they also need to understand and support it. Yeah. Um, so I guess final words is, how do we get everyone to be on the same page and work together? Or is that too big of a question? <laughs> Wow, that is a, a, a tough question. Um, I think there was, people were more receptive um, just a few, I'm gonna say two years ago, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic and 
we started to be faced with like what really matters and then how much more we have in common than we have different. And what I don't want to have happen, which I kind of see happening is we're creeping away from that and we're getting back into, well, if it only matters to me, it only matters to me. So that nimbyism that as uh, our county exec, Matt Meyer talks about Mm -hmm. banana, build absolutely nothing anywhere (laughs) near anything. Like we have to understand that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so when we cared about that person that had to work at the grocery store because we needed them, or we cared about that nurse that we needed, we have to understand that when affordable housing, workforce housing supports the uplifting and the social and economic mobility, that the entire state benefits from that, the economy benefits from that. And so it's not just affecting them, but it's in fact affecting the entire state. And that is the rising tide that lifts all this. Right. Well said. Another quick way of looking at that is we're not going to get everybody on board. So I think things have to happen in spite of the opposition of a big segment of the population. Um, And that's unfortunately just the way it's going to be if we're going to solve this problem. I'm going to turn the conversation a little bit. Um, our our convo connection, I'm going to give you both an opportunity to uh, give a shout out to a person, a business, someone in the community that you think is just doing a really awesome job and deserves a little shout out. Logan, do you want to go first? Yeah, but it should be no surprise. Um, we've been best <laughs> best friends since the age of 13. <laughs> Um, but that's not really the reason why I'm giving him the shout out. Um, I just think he's doing a phenomenal job um, leading uh, the Delaware State Housing Authority, and that's Eugene Young. Uh, and so I'm just so happy that he's in the position he's in to be able to affect uh, affordable housing, this crisis, to be in a t- during a time where we're really seeing um, a growing demand and him being able to find solutions and work with people to find solutions like Preston and people all up and down the state and outside of the state to bring those solutions uh, back to Delaware. And so um, job well done, Eugene, and I wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. So, Preston? I want to give a shout out to Dutchman's Harvest. That's our workforce housing project in Lewis that's about to launch sit a formally launch sales in about a month. Um, so if anybody lives down here and they're looking to purchase, it's not a for rent project, it's a for own project. Um, affordable is probably a stretch of a term, but um, lower costing, lower cost housing in the Lewis area, um, pay attention, just Google Dutchman's Harvest and, uh, and that project may be um, the perfect spot for you. So I'm, I'm also going to give a bit of a shameless plug. Um, we have uh, just announced our annual dinner keynote speaker. Um, the annual dinner is the State Chamber's largest event of the year. Um, and this year it's actually, it's going to be held a little bit later than normal. It's, it's on Monday, January 29th. Uh, but my shout out goes to Insight, who's our uh, presenting sponsor and Erde Opino, who will be our, our keynote, he's chairman and CEO of, of Insight. So I really look forward to hearing his remarks in January. Great. With that, Logan, if anyone wants to get in touch with you um, after this this conversation, how can how can they reach you? 
Yeah, you can uh, go on our website, workgroup.org, and work is spelled W-R-K. You can book a tour. We do tours every two weeks. Um, you can schedule that yourself, or you can email me at lherring at reachriverside.org, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Preston? Yeah, probably LinkedIn as well. I have a fairly unique name, so if you type my first and last name in, it usually pops me up. I don't think there's any other Preston shell out there, in, at least in the U.S., but there may be. Um, and or my what my email address, which is Preston at oacompanies.com. And that's Shell with a C-H in there. Yeah, S-C-H-E-L-L. Um, and if you uh, enjoyed the conversation, have feedback, suggestions for future episodes, you can find me and my colleagues on our website, www.dscc.com. You can find us also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And with that, Logan and Preston, thanks so much. I, I really did learn a lot today, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me about housing. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Conversations with Kelly, brought to you by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. Our thanks, as always, to our production partners at Short Order Production House, a bowstring company. And before we sign off, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but your support is invaluable, and it helps other listeners find us easily. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon.